0: You know, it's good to respond in a a loving way, in a a bad situation, But what about in our daily lives? What about before a catastrophe? Where were the people then that now are reaching out
1: and helping? In today's edition
0: of Emerging Daily. Where were you then before that? Did you have your mind so open to the Lord and so uh, easily receptive to His Spirit that you would reach out a helping hand to somebody even before this happened? Where were we before this all happened? Where was the love? Then if you were like me, you're just going about your daily routine, going about your daily life. Didn't think a thing that anything like this would ever happen in our country. Not even giving a moment's thought to the fact that it may be happening even at that very time in another country. It's good that people are reaching out. It's good that people are, are having a heart of compassion now. But what about two months from now? Where is their heart going to be then? Where is our mind going to be then, a year from now? What shall be the sign of thy coming and at the end of the world? How many times has your world ended? Many people's world ended this past week. Many people literally died, but many people's world just came to an end. Their, their orderly arrangement of their way of living was done away with. Because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Yes, praise God that people are beginning to reach out. Praise God that people are beginning to help one another. But it shouldn't take the destruction of two of our landmarks of our nation to be destroyed for that to happen. Are you allowing the love of God to take control of
2: This is Emerging Daily with Charlton Scott Fisher. Scott is the founder and leader of Emerge Nashville, a spiritual refuge that's an evolving ministry expressing radical grace every day. Emerge is supported 100% by listeners like you. To make your tax-deductible gift and to learn more about Emerge, visit EmergeNashville.org or email EmergeNashville at gmail.com. We hope this program will help you to emerge as pure gold and to steer you to put love into action.
1: If you like good old country cooking, then you're gonna love Bales Little Country Kitchen in Lebanon, right in the heart of Middle Tennessee. Bales Little Country Kitchen is Lebanon's new favorite place for great country cooking. They have a terrific breakfast and lunch menu, as well as awesome specials throughout the week, like the Friday night all-you-can-eat catfish dinner and fixins, and their Saturday morning breakfast bar. And now they've teamed up with We Deliver to bring their super Southern food right to your home or office. You can find out more by going to their website, bellslebanon.com, where you can see their menu and specials and even order delivery. That's bellslebanon.com. You're going to love Bell's Little Country Kitchen, Lebanon's new favorite place for great country cooking. Welcome to today's edition of Emerging Daily. I'm Scott Fisher. Today we're listening to a message that I gave at a church I pastored uh, back in the early 2000s called the Ark of Lebanon. This message was given on the first Sunday after 9-11. So this message was given actually on September the 16th of 2001. And the title of the message is Love Shall Wax Cold. And as you listen, I'm sure you can see how this applies to where we are today as a nation. I hope this blesses you. I'll be back with you momentarily. This is Emerging Daily.
0: Turn, if you will, to Hebrews, the last chapter. Well, turn to chapter 12 and then we'll talk a little little bit about maybe 13. But Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews 12. Let's just start reading with verse 18. Hebrews 12 verse 18. It says, For you are not come unto the mount that might be touched, and it burned with fire, nor into blackness and darkness and tempest, in the sound of a trumpet, and the voice of words, which voice they had heard, entreated that the words should not be spoken to them any more. For they could not endure that which was commanded, and if so much as a beast touched the mountain, it would be stoned or thrust through with a dart. So terrible was the sight that Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake. But you are come into Mount Zion, unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels. To the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which were written in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling, that speaks better things than that of, Abel, speaking of Abel's blood. Verse 25, See that you refuse not him that speaks. For if they escape not who refused him that spake on earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him that speaks from heaven. Whose voice then shook the earth, but now he hath promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. And this word, yet once more, signifies the removing of those things that are shaken or may be shaken, as of things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Wherefore, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace, or let us hold fast, whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. And verse 1 of chapter 13, let brotherly love continue. Let Brother love continue. You know, it's good that everybody is helping everybody. You know, it's good to see what's going on in New York, how that they are helping everybody. And they're reaching out and they're trying their best to to bring uh, some kind of a peace to a chaotic situation. It's good to see that all across the the country people are sending in money to the Red Cross and to the Salvation Army and to the Fire Department there and to all these things. It's good to see that. But where was all this before this happened? Where were the people that that are now helping and are now reaching out, where were they then? You know, it's good to respond in a a loving way in a a bad situation, but what about in our daily lives? What about before a catastrophe? Where were the people then that now are reaching out and helping? Where were you then before that? Did you have your mind so open to the Lord and so uh, easily receptive to His Spirit that you would reach out a helping hand to somebody? even before this happened, that you were so responsive to the Spirit of God that when He said move, that you reached out and you helped those in need? Were you there then? Was I? You know, where were we before this all happened? Where was the love then? Is this a condemning message this morning? No, it's not, but it's a message that will make us stop and think. Where were we before this happened? Just think for a minute. Monday morning, where were you? What were you doing? 8:30, 9:30, 10:30. Where were you? What were you doing? If you were like me, you were just going about your daily routine, going about your daily life. Didn't think a thing that anything like this would ever happen in our country, and not even, even, not even giving a moment's thought to the fact that it might be happening even at that very time in another country somewhere. Monday afternoon. Where were you? What were you doing? What were you thinking? Were your thoughts of love and thoughts of peace and thoughts of of, uh, reaching out to your fellow man, were they in your mind at that time? Were they even being allowed to have their way in your mind? Were you giving any heed to those type of thoughts? Monday night, what were you doing? What were you thinking? Sitting at home, eating supper, watching TV. Were you giving any, any heed at all to God? that He wants control of your life, that He wants to have the first and foremost place in your life. Monday night, before you went to bed, what were your thoughts, what were your ideas, before you fell asleep, where were you? What were you doing? What were you thinking? In your dreams, where did your mind go off to? Because your dreams anytime reveal your heart. Tuesday morning, where were you at 7 o'clock? Getting ready for work? Maybe just waking up? going to get another buck so that you could buy another piece for your car or, or another another little dust catcher for your home. Tuesday morning at 8.30. Tuesday morning at 9.30. When you first maybe heard what had begun to happen, and what was happening, what did you think then? If you're like me, I'm sure your heart went out to those people. And your mind began to, to dwell on the fact that this has happened here. This has happened to our country. This has happened to our home. Yes, it's easy to think about your fellow man at times like that. And it's good that people are reaching out. It's good that people are, are having a heart of compassion now. But what about two months from now? Where is their heart going to be then? Where is their mind going to be then? Where is the heart going to be then? A year from now? Or a year before now? Where were what were you doing? What were you thinking? Where was your heart? You know, last year. And you know, we get so caught up in our daily routine. We get so caught up in the things of this world. And yes, we're the church. We're born again. We're Christians. But we get so caught up in the world, in the way of the world, the world system, that we just totally, our mind gets so wrapped up in those things that we can't even respond when God says, reach out to someone. Because we're so wrapped up in our own little world, our own little thing, trying to get more money, trying to get more things, trying to grow our whatever. And when God says, reach out, we can't respond because we're bound we're bound to the world. If the world goes down, we're going down with it because we're bound to it. And I ask you this morning to allow the Lord to unwrap those ties that bind you to this world this morning. Allow the Lord to totally unravel and unwrap you and untie you from this world. Because as long as you're tied to it, when it goes down, you will go down. When the stock market crashes, you, your life will crash. When the economic systems of this world go down, you have no hope. Let brotherly love continue. If you will, look over in Matthew chapter twenty-four. Matthew chapter twenty-four. Now let's look at verse one. Because I want to get this in context here. Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him for the show and the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, there shall not be one stone left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives the disciples came to him probably saying tell us when shall these things be and what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world. Now the word world there does not necessarily refer to the whole system of things on this planet. It refers to the, an orderly arrangement of things. How many times has your world ended when your father died or a mother died or a brother died or a sister died or your business closed down, you had to go out of business, or the company you worked for went out of business and you lost your job, or a child died, how many times has your world ended? That's what they were talking about there. They weren't necessarily talking about the whole planet. They were talking about their their way of living. When is it going to end? When is it going to end? Many people's world ended this past week. Many people literally died, but many people's world just came to an end. Their their orderly arrangement of their way of living was done away with because the place that they worked at and worked for is no longer there. They had family members that died. Their world ended. They had friends that they don't know where they are. Their world ended. Their way of life ended. Let's look up, if you will, in Matthew 23, the previous chapter. In this chapter, the thing that stands out foremost in this chapter are the woes that Jesus pronounces to the scribes and to the Pharisees. At least almost every other verse, just about, from, from verse 13 on to uh, maybe 33, is full of woes that Jesus pronounces on the scribes and on the Pharisees. This is, this is Jesus speaking to the religious leaders of his day. The religious leaders of his day. But he speaks plainly. He speaks even, some people would say, harshly to the religious leaders that at that time were putting burdens on the people so great that Jesus says, you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men in verse, 20, excuse me, verse 13, you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men and you don't go in yourselves and you don't even let anybody else go in. And how many of the churches that are even meeting this morning are putting such burdens on their people and even on the people of the world that they don't allow those people to even come into the ways of God because they put such a burden on the people that people think that they have to change before they can even come to God. And it's backwards. How many of you take a bath before you take a shower? And so that's the way that the religious systems of men are, are done. They think you have to clean up before you come to God. When God's the one that gives you the bath. But he pronounced woes against them. And then he says in verse 37, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent to thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together? even as a hen gathers her chicken under her wings, and you would not. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. And I say unto you, you shall not see me henceforth, till you say, Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Now look up at verse 35, well, verse 34. Wherefore, I behold, I send unto you prophets and wise men and scribes, and some of them you shall kill and crucify. Some of them shall you scourge in your synagogues and persecute them from city to city, that upon you may come all the righteous blood shed upon the earth. From the blood of righteous Abel unto the blood of Zachariah the son of Barachias, whom you slew between the altar and the, the temple and the altar. Verily I say unto you, all these things shall come upon this generation. And so Jesus, verse one of twenty-four, he went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said, See you not these things? Verily I say unto you, there shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And as he sat on the mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us when shall these things be? What things? The things that he had been saying in verse. 2 of 24 and all of chapter 23. When shall these things be? And what will be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world as we know it? Jesus said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars, see that you be not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. What Jesus is talking about there is the destruction of Jerusalem. Okay, Theologians and Bible scholars generally agree. He's talking here about the destruction of Jerusalem. But it does have symbolic implications of what we're going through today. It does have symbolic and and meaningful truth that applies to us today. I want you to look, if you will, at verse 12. Because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. And what has happened in our day? Iniquity has abounded. But iniquity is not out-and-out sin. Iniquity is not just flat-out killing somebody. Murder is not iniquity. Iniquity is those small little foxes that the Bible says spoil to the vine. Iniquity is those things such as somebody not being considerate to you, and so your love towards them waxes cold. Iniquity is those small little things that eat away at you, such as somebody giving you a dirty look at work, and so your love for them waxes cold. Somebody not being considerate of you. Somebody that when you get to a four-way stop, they don't stop. They keep going and your love for them waxes cold. iniquity is those small things. It's not just out and out, just blatant sin. It's not just blatant rebellion. It's those small little things that cause us to gradually grow cold in our love towards our fellow man. Look, if you will, at verse 10. It says, Then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and hate one another. Now listen to verse 11. Many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. Many false prophets shall arise and shall deceive many. And then what happens? Iniquity abounds. The love of many waxes cold. Iniquity has abounded in the church because we don't see the need for us to really be Christ-like. We think, well, we're not going to be Christ-like till we die anyway. So why try? There's a gospel being preached that's not the gospel of the kingdom of God. Jesus said, the gospel of the kingdom shall go forth. There is a different gospel. Paul talked about those that came and preached a different gospel. He said, beware of them. And we need to beware today because there is a different gospel going out across the land that says you can't be like Jesus till you die. But then there's also another gospel that says in order to be like Jesus, you have to follow this list of rules. Both are false gospels. It's one side of the ditch or the other side of the ditch. That's the reason Jesus said the way is narrow and straight because it's easy to go off on one side or go off on the other side. We don't want to do that. We don't want to fall into legalism and think we have to follow rules and regulations in order to look and be like Jesus. It won't happen that way. If it could, Jesus wouldn't have died on the cross. But we also don't want to be on the other side which says we can't be like him until we die because then what hope do we have in this life? Because it's Christ in you that is the hope of glory. And so we have to follow that middle road and we have to take heed that we follow that middle road that Jesus himself tread on when he was here. Jesus didn't follow lists of rules and lists of regulations. Many times he disobeyed those rules and regulations that had been laid down for him. He allowed his disciples to pick corn on the Sabbath. He healed on the Sabbath. He uh, did things that that they condemned. And yet, by the same token, he said, "If you see me, you see my Father." Iniquity begins to abound when a false gospel is made so easily available to the hearer. What is a false gospel? A cross gospel is that which does not lift up the standard of Jesus for us to live by and does also not give the hope that you can live up to them. You know, it's one thing to lift up the standard, but it's another thing to say you can be like that standard. How many of you have ever worked in a factory at any time? You were either putting together something or, or somehow, uh, maybe on an assembly line, you knew how the thing was supposed to look and act and work. Whatever it was you were putting together, or whatever it was you were doing, you knew that the thing, there was a standard. But if if they told you when you came on the job, now look, this is the way it's supposed to look, but you can't make it look like that. But I expect you to do it anyway. And if you don't, I'm going to fire you. Would you like that kind of job? Would any of you like that job? You know, if they said, we've got this basket here, this is the way it's supposed to look. This is exactly, I want you to make it exactly like this, but I'm going to tell you, you can't do it. But I expect, this, I expect it to look like this, but you can't do it. But at the end of the day, if what you've done doesn't look like this, you're fired. Would you like to have a job like that? The, the world, the unsaved world, doesn't want a job like that either. And that's the reason they don't come to church. Because we've lifted up the standard of Christ. We've lifted up the standard of Jesus. And we say, you should look like Jesus, but I'm going to tell you what. You can't ever be like Him, but if you're not like Him, we're going to condemn you. And God is going to condemn you. Why I even bother So iniquity abounds, and love waxes cold.
1: Hey, I hope you're being blessed by today's edition of Emerging Daily. We wanted to pause for just a second. We'll get back to the message, Love Shall Wax Cold, here in just a moment. But we want to remind you to please check out our website, Emergenashville.org, or EmergingDaily.com, whichever is easiest for you to remember. But please go and check that out. And find out more about our ministry. And also we wanted to remind you that we're getting ready to start having um, some weekly worship and teaching times. If you would like to be involved, we're still trying to find some some more musicians and worship leaders. Um, So if you would like to participate in that way or just just come and be a part, please email us at EmergeNashville at gmail.com. That's EmergeNashville at gmail.com. And shoot us a note and let us know that you're interested, and and we'll get back with you. We'll get back to the message here in just a second. This is Emerging Daily.
0: We've lifted up the standard of Christ, we lifted up the standard of Jesus, and we say, You should look like Jesus, but I'm going to tell you what you can't ever be like him, but if you're not like him, we're going to condemn you. And God is going to condemn you. Why even bother? So iniquity abounds. And love waxes cold. And that's what's happened in the world today. And that's what, you know, yes, praise God that people are beginning to reach out. Praise God that people are beginning to help one another. But it shouldn't take the destruction of two of our landmarks of our nation to be destroyed for that to happen. It shouldn't take that. And the, the, the reason, the, the, whole, the whole lot of it comes back on the church. It doesn't come back on the world. It doesn't come back on the government. It comes back on the church because we are the standard bearers. The standard that we are lifting high is the Lord. He is the standard. But for us to even say that you can't be like it causes people to even... They don't want any part of it. I don't want a part of a religion that tells me I have to be a certain way but then I can't be that certain way. And granted, I know you can't be like it on your own. You can't do it on your own. You can't in the flesh do it. But that's the reason Jesus said, I give you my my spirit. I give you my comforter, my helper. And He said, I will come to you. And so... That is our hope. Christ in us is the hope for that glory that we will be like Him. There is also a false gospel that does away with any kind of suffering. And I'm, I'm sorry to say this morning that I have at one time been a part of that. But a gospel has gone forth across the land that says there is no need for suffering in the kingdom of God. And I'm sorry to tell you that that's a false gospel. If you will look at First Thessalonians chapter 3. 1 Thessalonians, chapter 3. Now, to give you a little context, I've, I've spoken from this chapter plenty of times before, but I just want to get you in, in context here of what he's talking about. Paul had been ministering in Corinth and in, uh, in Athens, but previously he had been to Thessalonica. And Paul, the top minister that Paul was, if he brought you to the Lord, he felt obligated, a true obligation that is really put in his heart by God. He felt the need to make sure that you are a disciple and you are brought up. He felt the need to watch over you as a father would a child. That was Paul's heart. And so he had ministered in Thessalonica previously, and Paul's heart went back to those people wondering, how are they doing? How are they, bring, how are they coming along in the Lord? And so Paul sends Timothy. He stays in Athens, and he sends Timothy there to Thessalonica to check up on them. In the, to, to see how they're doing in the Lord, see how they're growing in the Lord, and to give them hope and to the, the urge them on to continue in the Lord. And so here is where we pick up verse 1 of chapter 3. Wherefore, when we could no longer forbear, we thought it good to be left at Athens alone and sent Timothy, our brother and minister of God, and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ to establish you. That word establishes to fix immovably. Fix immovably. To fix you immovably to where you will not move away or, sh- or, or move from the gospel. To fix you immovably and to comfort you. That word comfort is really strengthened. To strengthen you concerning your faith. That no man should be moved by these afflictions. That no man should be moved by these afflictions. For listen to this for yourselves know that we are appointed thereunto. For yourselves know that we are appointed thereunto. For verily, when we were with you, we told you before that we should suffer tribulation. Even as it has come to pass, and you know. For this cause, when I could no longer forbear, I sent to know your faith, to see how you were doing, lest by some means the tempter having tempted you, and our labor be in vain. Paul knew that there were many false prophets and false Christs, false teachers that were sent in among the people by Satan that would bring a false gospel that says, Look, you don't have to endure these tribulations, you don't have to endure these afflictions, you don't have to go, you don't have to endure these things. And so Paul wanted to make sure that they were still in the Word. They were still following the Lord even in the midst of these persecutions, in the midst of this tribulation, in the midst of this affliction. Paul wanted to make sure that they weren't following after this false teaching. lest by some means a tempter. See, it's easy to be tempted away from the Gospel when you're being persecuted or you're being in tribulation. It's easy to be moved away. Now we see in what's happening in our nation that as the Bible says in Romans 8, All things work together for good to them that love Him and are called according to His purpose. God is working this for His good, for His purpose. And our nation has so far allowed it to work in that way. We've grown closer. We've grown in love. We've grown in unity. But what will happen in the next few days, in the next few months, in the next few years when we begin to really have to suffer? See, there were so many thousands of people in those two buildings that suffered and in the Pentagon that suffered and died. Some of them suffered and a few of them are still alive. But there were families that suffered by the law. But our nation as a whole really hasn't suffered yet. We really haven't. Now our president has, has put, I think it's 50,000 or 30-something thousand uh, reserves and guard made available that, that he can activate them. Now they may begin to feel a little of the suffering when that begins to happen. But we haven't suffered yet. We haven't. Not to that degree. When the gasoline has begun to be rationed out, if that happens. When milk and bread begin to be rationed out, if that happens. When money is rationed out, if that happens. Then, are we going to be moved away from the gospel? Are we going to be tempted to fall back and, and, and allow our love to wax cold even more? Are we going to continue in this thrust that we now have to walk in unity and walk in love? Look, if you will, over at Acts chapter 14. Acts chapter 14. Any gospel that does not prepare its people for persecution. Any gospel that does not prepare its people for affliction. Any gospel that does not prepare its people for persecution and tribulation is a false gospel. Acts 14. Okay, let's start with verse 19. There came there certain Jews from Antioch and Iconium who persuaded the people. And having stoned Paul, they drew him out of the city, supposing he had been dead. A lot of scholars think that he probably was dead, and that's when the next verse, it says in verse 20, how bad as the disciples stood round about him he rose up. Many people believe that they raised him from the dead there because Paul did say he had suffered death often. So he rose up and he came into the city. And the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derbe. Verse 21, And when he had preached the gospel to that city and had taught many or made many disciples, they returned again to Lystra and Iconium and Antioch, confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith and that we must We must, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. That word, that phrase, much tribulation, can also be translated many pressures. Many pressures. We must, through many pressures or much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. So any gospel that does not prepare its people. Paul knew persecution firsthand. He knew tribulation firsthand. He knew these things hand, and He prepared anybody that He brought to the Lord, He prepared them, look, you're probably going to have to suffer. Jesus Himself prepared His people. If you're not willing to take up your own cross and follow Me, stay at home, don't even bother. You're not worthy. And so we've had a gospel going across our land that says, let's all take up Jesus' cross and carry it forward. And Jesus didn't say that. Jesus said, take up your own cross and follow Me. Are you willing to die for Me, Jesus said And He meant it literally. Yes, He meant it spiritually. Yes, He meant it solically. Yes, we have to die spiritually. And when we do, we're reborn spiritually. We're born again. Yes, He meant it in a soulish way, in the fact that our soul, our mind, will, and emotion have to die daily in order that we can be made and think His thought, be, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Yes, that has to take place. But He also meant be willing to literally die for me if it has to come to that. Are you willing to die for God? And I'm not talking about taking a plane load of people and crashing it into a building in the name of God. That's evil. That's satanic. has nothing to do with God. But are you willing to die for the standard? Are you willing to die because of your proclamation of the gospel? Are you willing to die because you've tried to allow Christ to live through you? And not only are you willing to die, dying's the easy part. It's the suffering that's the hard part. Are you willing to do that? And that's, that's what, if God is speaking today, and I believe He is, because our God is a God that speaks. That's what He's saying. Prepare yourself. Prepare yourself. Because if, you, if you're not prepared, this, what, what may begin to happen will overtake you as a thief. But if you're prepared, if you're prepared, then you can do as Isaiah chapter 60 says and you can begin to shine. When, gross darkness, when darkness encompasses the people and growth darkness, you can shine because the light has come in you and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Yes, darkness is coming. Yes, it's going to get darker. But God's people can shine the brightest in the midst of darkness if they're prepared, if they're ready. If they have prepared their hearts, prepared their minds, that listen, no matter what happens, no matter if suffering happens, no matter if persecution happens, no matter if tribulation happens, I'm going to hold fast and stand fast in the love of God and I'm going to walk in that love no matter what. That's the Word of God. That's how Jesus lives. And I don't mean to, to, to draw this out this morning. But are you ready? Are you prepared? Is your heart steadfast in the Lord? Are you holding fast to the love of God that's within you? The Bible says if you've been born again, the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. So the love of God is in you. If you've been born again, it's there. But are you allowing it to show forth? Are you allowing it to come forth at work? Are you allowing it to come forth in your family? Are you allowing it to come forth at the grocery store or at the gasoline pump? Are you allowing the love of God to take control of you and to use you as a vessel because you are a vessel for God. But if you're not prepared and if you're just seeking to, to take care of number one or take care of my four and no more, take care of your own little family and your own little world, then you won't be able to be used by God in what's going to be taking place. God can't use us if, if we don't have, have our heart fixed immovably. If you will, look at Romans and, and we'll try to wrap this up. Romans 8, verse 35. This is going to begin to be a familiar scripture to you if you follow my ministry at all. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And that is not talking about His love for you. This is talking about your love for Him. Shall tribulation stop you or separate you from your love for God? And you can't love God, it says in 1 John, you can't love God unless you love your brother, unless you love your neighbor. You can't love God. You're a hypocrite if you say you love God and you don't love your brother, you don't love your sister, you don't love even your neighbor, Jesus said. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation separate us? Shall distress separate us? Shall persecution separate us? Shall nakedness separate us? Shall famine separate us? Shall peril or sword separate us? It says in verse 36, as it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Those words are not there just so that they can be a pretty little phrase in the book. He meant it. For thy sake, we are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. And when we go out into the world in our daily life, we should not think it a strange thing if persecution or tribulation or famine or negligence or peril or sword, or any of these things come upon us. What did he say in in verse Peter? He says, Think it not strange concerning the fiery trial. Think it not strange. Don't think it strange when you're going through persecution, when you're going through tribulation, when you're going through pressure. Don't think it strange but allow it to work until the nature of God shows forth in you. Don't think it strange. For thy sake we are, we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. In all these things we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. Now we begin talking about His love for us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present and things to come height nor death nor any other creature shall separate us from the love of God which is in Christ our Lord. And just think of that love that He has that he is talking about right there, and begin in 1st 1 of chapter 9. I say the truth in Christ, I lie not. My conscience also bear me witness in the Holy Ghost, that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. For I wish that myself were accursed from Christ, or separated from Christ, for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Are you in love so much with God that you would be willing to even experience separation from Him in order to bring His love to your fellow man? Your kinsmen in the flesh. The people that you work with. The people that you eat with, the people that you associate with, your friends, even the people at the grocery store, the people at the gas pump, the people at the mall. Are you willing this morning, Matt, could you pray just something for us to reflect on for a minute? Let's just focus on the Lord. Allow Him to to refocus our minds and our hearts on His love. That no matter what happens in these next few days, next few months, the next year, no matter what happens and no matter what kind of suffering and, and pressure and tribulation comes on this nation, or on our families. This is not just a thing. I'm not just talking about a national thing. Yes, we should stand up for our nation. Yes, we should do what has to be done for our nation. But it goes much further than that. It goes to, let's be willing to do it for our God. God. Is your heart fixed immovably that no matter what happens in your life, no matter if you lose your job tomorrow, you're going to keep your eyes fixed and focused on the Lord. And you're not going to say, God, why me? You're going to say, God, what would you have me to do now? What area do you want me to move in now? Not why me, God, but what for me? What should I do now? If you lose your legs tomorrow for some reason or other, and you can't walk, God, don't say why me. God, how should I show forth your love now? How can I show forth your love now? If you wake up in the morning and you can't see, you're blind. Not why God, why me, not why me, God, how should I live now? What should I do now? What area of ministry, what area of life do you want me to begin to walk in and move in and show your love in, God? This time of of crying out, God, why me? is over. A child does that. It's time that we put away childish things and begin to walk and begin to be mature, begin to be perfected in the love of God and to show forth that love with our lives, even unto death. The Bible says in, in Revelation that they overcame Him by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, and... They love not their lives even unto death. That's not just talking about their physical life. It is talking about that, but it's also talking about their way of life, our daily living. I'm, they love not their TV so much that if they lost it, that they would still show forth the love of God. They love not their car so much that if they lost it, they would still show forth the love of God. They love not their job so much that if they lost it, that they would still show forth the love of God because it's love that overcome. Father God, just speak our hearts immovably this morning, Lord, And no matter what happens, no matter what comes, God, that we're not going to follow false gospels and false prophets, Father God, that say peace, peace, when there is no peace. But we will follow after you, Lord God, that yes, we praise you for the peace that passes understanding that comes in our hearts, Father God, as we fix our heart on you. But God, we don't, even if peace is not seen around us in our circumstances, that we still have that peace that comes from you. And no matter what our circumstances, no matter what situations come in our life, that our heart is fixed immovably, Father. No matter what happens, we're going to walk in love. We're going to be considerate of others. We're going to be kind, Father God, and that's hard for us. It's hard for me, especially when we're having pressure in our life. It's not easy. But God, you know because Jesus was here. He experienced it. And yet even while He was hanging from the cross, He said, Father, forgive us because they don't know what they're doing. And God, many times the people that cause pressure in our life in a situation, Father God, they don't know what they're doing. Help us to be kind one to another.
1: We hope you were blessed by today's edition of Emerging Daily and the message Love Shall Wax Cold. Don't forget Monday, we'll begin a new series of talks dealing with things that we're going through as a nation and as a world, and how these things affect us spiritually, and how we should respond in our Emerging Love Walk. So be sure to listen then, tell your friends, family, co-workers, whomever, to check out our podcast, If it's not on your favorite platform, hopefully we will be before long. We're showing up on more and more platforms every day. But you can always go to EmergingDaily.com where all the episodes will be. Uh, Our email address is EmergeNashville at gmail.com. That's EmergeNashville at gmail.com. We're getting ready to begin uh, having some weekly worship and teaching times. If you'd like to know more, email us. We really appreciate you listening. And God bless you. Have a good rest of the week. to shop online for either yourself or for gifts for others? Do you like the convenience of shopping online but also like to help support local shops and retailers? What if you could do both? Check out bellsgiftsandmore.com. Bells Gifts and More is locally owned and operated, based just outside of Nashville in Lebanon, Tennessee. They have men's and women's clothing fashions and accessories, wallets, handbags, watches, jewelry, books, media, home and office items, electronics, and more, all at great prices. And they add new items to their inventory almost every day. So go to bailsgiftsandmore.com. use promo code EMERGE when you check out and get an additional 10% off your purchase, excluding sale items. That's bailsgiftsandmore.com.
2: listening today and we hope you were stirred to put love into action. Feel free to send your questions or comments to EmergeNashville at gmail.com and please consider donating on our website EmergeNashville.org or write to Emerge P.O. Box 3242 Lebanon, Tennessee 37088.